Ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast where you get your calcio to go. I'm Frank Ravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, happy Sunday evening, I guess, huh? How you doing? Yeah, yeah. A little, uh, yeah. Everybody's got to bring their dinner to the uh, laptops and the YouTube page. And I got mine. Uh, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, I got, I got, I've got that too. Uh, I've got it in my Serie A Sit Down Tumblr, though. Okay. So, okay. Um, you know, so just trying to uh, represent the brand, if you will. So, um, are we? Can we exhale uh, from this week of games? Can we exhale from thirty goals in, in eight games? And yeah. uh, man, what a weekend! It, what a weekend! The last just, game was just as good. That was yeah, good ending. Good ending. Incredible drama all weekend long, and yeah. uh, it's um, you know we've got uh, we've got much to talk about, and so much that. This time around, the two of us can't tackle it ourselves. Um, we're going to bring in a trusted friend uh, to give us some perspective on the game that we probably would consider to be the main event of the weekend. Um, I've lost count how many caps this is for him. Um, I want to say he's at six or seven. Um, which Five or six, I think. All right, starting to get him up there, but uh, from the far from Vesuvius Network, we welcome back Rafa Rispo. Ciao, Rafa. Ciao, Frank and Richard. What's going on, guys? I uh, thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Another yeah, no. weekend, another what a weekend. Yeah, big, big um, weekend. Great to have you on. Uh, great to have you on, Rafa. Uh, how are things with you? Things are good. Things are good. Uh, back in the swing of things with Serie A, you know, after a, a seemingly never-ending international break. Uh, oh, my goodness. This time, yeah. this time it's just went went by way too slow, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, things are pretty decent in the home front and uh, at work and, uh, you know, picking up for the holidays. So good. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, we've got uh, much to talk about, as we said, Richard um, and, and Rafa. We uh, will talk about here shortly uh, what went down at the San Siro today between Inter and Napoli. Um, we will also uh, get into uh, a, if there's if there's a better undercard, I'd like to know what it is. But uh, Fiorentina and Milan and Lazio and Juventus. Uh, and then we'll also uh, take a look at the rest of uh, what went down. Uh, here on match week 13 in Serie A. Still two games tomorrow yet, uh, yeah. so much to do there. Uh, quick little preview of Europe, match day five, getting down to the nitty-gritty for some teams, and uh, we will finish it off with the world's most famous hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter. Um, but before we get into Napoli and Inter, let's talk about Italy, who have again failed to qualify directly uh, for the World Cup, and now we'll have to be in a playoff, uh, a 1-1 draw at home against Switzerland, um, a goal by Vidmer early on, followed by a equalizing goal by uh, Di Lorenzo, um, Jorginho with the big penalty miss there uh, towards the end, uh, leaving Italy to have to settle for a point, leaving them to have to go to Northern Ireland, and not only win, but win in such a fashion that Switzerland's win isn't two goals better than theirs and had to go to a Northern Ireland that had not conceded at home throughout World Cup qualifying. There's something that they can hang their hat on. A nil-nil draw that Italy almost lost. Uh, meantime, Switzerland, as you would imagine, thrashed Bulgaria 4-0. They qualified directly for World Cup 2022, leaving Atsuri fans to all of a sudden go into panic mode. Here we go again. And I'll start with you, Richard. 
What went wrong in these two games? You know, we uh, yeah, Zuri has played with a chip on their shoulder in the Euros, and we saw that why they you know dominating play. Uh, and I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Gianni on Twitter or who. Someone said it. They were like, you know, the Azzurri have always played better when they got a chip on their shoulder. When they're the when they're the favorites, they tend not to play too well. And it showed uh, these games. Both they were the favorite. Some some want to say a heavy favorite against Switzerland. I tend to disagree. Switzerland's a very good team. Uh, obviously, Somers is a fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, but also against Northern Ireland, heavy favorites there. And you would expect at least in that game the Azzurri to win. And they just. They failed to capitalize on their chances, failed to create opportunities. They really didn't get much from the striker play. Um, obviously, Jorginho missing that big penalty in the Switzerland game, but you can't blame him for the second for the second mm-hmm. game when it was nil nil against Northern Ireland. It was just a lack of a killer instinct, wrong game plan, r- weren't hungry enough. Um, it's really a team effort, and 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 the reason that they didn't qualify. Um, they want to people want to hang their hat on on Jorginho, but it's not just him. It's the entire team from the from the management downward. And uh, yeah, they failed to get it done, and now they have to with their backs against the wall. Probably not one of the favorites going into this, even despite who they play. So maybe that'll be in their favor. But uh, yeah, not definitely definitely disappointing. I think for me, uh, Rafa, your perspective on Italy's uh, performance over these uh, recent qualifiers? Well, it wasn't great. You know, um, they they squandered some chances against Switzerland. They didn't create enough chances against Northern Ireland. I actually didn't know the stat that Northern Ireland didn't score, didn't uh, allow a goal at home during all of qualifying, which to me makes a little sense now, you know, now a week, you know, a week later. Um, You know, everybody is uh, harping on the Jorginho penalty miss. And I'm with you, Richard, where I think. You know, uh, it, while the blame can be placed there, um, there's also a lot that didn't happen in both games that weren't Jorginho's fault. Um, but he wasn't he wasn't standout. You know, he wasn't a standout in my opinion. Um, uh, and when you when you really look at it, he buries that penalty against Switzerland, and that nil nil in Northern Ireland is s- enough to qualify. Right. No matter what Switzerland's, uh, you know, no matter what Switzerland uh, does. And uh, it's just it's it's upsetting. Uh, but, you know, to the playoffs we go. And uh, let's see. I know a lot of people are going to be nervous about having to play a playoff like we did against, you know, Sweden last time around. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think uh, I think this is a different Italy side than that side that uh, didn't qualify under Ventura obviously and uh, we have a lot more to uh, look forward to also we have a good you know what four months to recuperate yeah um, get everybody back healthy you know and and go back into it you know and and I think this Italy when their backs are against the wall in a playoff type semifinal final you know I think they'll perform a little bit better so you know uh, listen hey we didn't see these guys you know the England, the England final guys, no. but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll give some perspective on this. I mean, a couple of things that I, I came away with just kind of looking at the the body of work and the qualifiers over the last couple of months in general, not just necessarily um, these two games. Uh, first thought: I think that um, the the a lot of these players. That's a lot of games, okay? 
uh, you know, to go all the way to a major international competition, win that, you know, your last game of that is in the middle of July. And let's not forget 120 minutes in the semifinal against Spain and just about the same squad playing that 120 minutes in the final against England. Uh, little to no holiday compared to what they're normally accustomed to um, because the club season is starting so quickly. So they get a little bit of a break. They've got to come back right away. They've got to play where most of these guys are playing every three days for their clubs. And then when they come to play for Italy, Mancini keeps calling the same guys. I mean, at some point you get, these players get tired. Okay. These players can't offer the same form that they offered early in the year. They offered that gave them this, was it 30, I believe 37 game unbeaten run. Uh, That's a record. And, you know, they're kind of guilty you know, they're kind of guilty because of their own success. I mean, we got to a point where we got greedy. We were like, Italy's, Italy never loses now. And now when they go on the pitch, we expect them to win. And we treat a draw We treat a draw to Switzerland. We treat a draw to Northern Ireland like a loss. But I think that that's something that if you take a step back from it and you look at it and say, man, how, Nicolo Barella has got to be burned out by now, as an example. he I think he played every single game for Italy. He's played every just about every single game for Inter. I get that he's young, but at some point, there's only so much that you can take on. Um, the, the, the problem here is that I don't know what Mancini could have done in terms of rotating the squad and who yeah. he could have called on and who he could have used. Um, so that's one thing. I think that the Italy player, I wouldn't say burnout, but the number of games finally catching up to them. The yeah. second thing, I hear a lot of criticism about we don't have a striker. We don't have a, a guy that's bagging the goals. You know, does Christian Vieri score the goals with the chances that were that were put in front of him? I don't know. I don't know if Paolo Rossi does either. I don't know if Schilacci does either. You know, I mean, when you, if you want to talk about some of the historic guys, Luca Toni, yeah. um, you know, some of these goals, guys who have who have scored multiple goals in major international competitions. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a part of it. But one guy that I went and said on Twitter, and I think I was responding to an IFTV question. I think in these last two internationals, Marco Verratti was a much bigger miss. Um, we went up against two teams that two layers of four, bunkering down, limiting space, taking it away from us. And Verratti, for me, is the one midfielder in the Italy setup right now that is good at getting in between those lines, getting the ball, breaking all that down, and then finding the forwards and finding the clever pass. That was missed. That was gone. They wanted – they thought that maybe Barella could do it. Barella's not that kind of player. Uh, The only other player that might have a chance to do what Marco Verratti does for the Azzurri also was injured, Lorenzo Pellegrini. Uh, So that's gone. And that's a critical element to what Italy does going forward, especially when they face teams that have eight players back and playing low block and there's no room to do anything. Matteo Benetti made an excellent point. He said, Italy's coming out with a false nine, with Insigne as a false nine. Northern Ireland's more than happy to let them have it. Why? Because who's the reference that they're going to cross to? Yeah. So, you know, at that point, well, now you got to come back inside and see where you can break them down. But do you have that midfielder there? No, you don't. I'd argue, too, that you're missing Zaniolo, too. He's another game-changer who could affect the game. You know, Chiesa's on one side, but he's getting shut down. So, have if you know, possibly having Zaniolo there would have been helpful as well. But injuries are certainly playing a problem this, for sure. And uh, all the Chiro haters, you know, want to come out and say it's his fault, maybe. But he didn't, he didn't participate, so you can't blame him. 
Uh, yeah. and, and I think the big news of the week, international break, I should say, is I hear music going on in the background. Not mine. Uh, not for me. Maybe it's Rafa. <laughs> anyway, um, the, big news, the big news of the weekend was, I guess, uh, João Pedro is trying to get his citizenship to join the Azzurri. Uh, huh. And so my question of the day for you guys and everybody listening in is, should João Pedro be given a chance as the Azzurri striker? No. <laughs> and it, the short answer. That, I guess that's the so. short answer. I guess that's the short answer. I, I guess I, I don't want to totally rule it out, but I'm not. I'm not. Is is he a striker? Is he a nine? He's not a nine. I kind of think of him more as a ten. I, I kind of think of him more as a guy that can play off of a nine, where I think that he's effective playing off of a guy like Pavoletti, for example. Um, I don't find him to be a guy that you use as a reference. I mean, I I want Chido Immobile to get fit and figure this out. Um, I want Andrea Bellotti to find where the hell he put his form from like four years ago. All right. And and guys like that. I'd like I'd still wish that, you know, Caputo, he's probably a little bit advanced in his career, but he's been successful in four three three setups. You know, just as some examples to throw at you. So and Raspadori just needs more games. And I don't think that Mancini's ready to trust him yet. So, you know, the short answer for me is it's really hard for me to throw Jao Pedro into the to, into the uh, high point of a four three three and think it's going to be successful. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Rafa, what are your thoughts? Well, so my thoughts are that I think Jao Pedro should be given a chance. Why not at this point? You know, we need backup strikers. Uh, you know, and he's doing really well. Um. You know, maybe he's a, a you know a little bit of an out there choice, but if uh, if Belotti's not going to take care of business, and if Immobile is hurt, and we have no other choice but to play a false nine, and no matter who you play, um, you know it's not their normal position. Insigne doesn't normally play a false nine, and that's why he got caught out. Um, and uh, you know, I've I you know personally uh, for the matches, I probably would have started. Um, uh, I probably would have started Chiesa in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I think he probably would have fared a little bit better if you're going to have to have a false nine. Uh, but, but a job Pedro. I mean, I listen. If they come on the pitch and wear that shirt and score goals, then I don't really care who it is. You know, I see yeah. a lot of people saying uh, Balotelli should come back, and I think that's no. what it is. N- never mind the antics off the field, and never mind the behavior. Yeah. Just the fact that he hasn't really played. I mean, he's in the Turkish league, but he hasn't really yeah. played top flight in about a year and a half, two years. How about Caputo? You know? Yeah, why not Caputo? Why not, uh, you know? I think Caputo it would be a great, you know, yeah. uh, backup. He's a little older, but so what? Who cares? Luca Tony, uh, Tony played really well for a long time. I mean, sure, so. sure, he yeah. did. Sure, yeah. he did. So, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I would welcome him in, obviously. But honestly... Look at what happened without Chiro Immobile. I, I mean, I know, I know this might sound a little, you know, everyone's gonna probably jump down my back about this, but I, I'm on the train that I'm on like the Immobile train where I'm gonna yep. defend him and say, listen, we didn't have a reference point in the attacking position yeah, yeah. to draw draw defenders closer to him. Now my, my audio was off, so I don't know, Frank, if you brought that up while you were talking. I was having audio issues, but but I'll say it too. If uh, like, there was no reference point for defenders to draw to, especially in the, with the Northern Ireland team, who's really tall defenders, 
Yeah. You know, with, with a with a five foot three in senior, you're you know, it doesn't matter where you play, you're gonna beat him ninety-nine percent of the time. You're gonna beat him on a ball, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh I think I think just the, uh, we need depth in that one spot, and I think that's it, you know. Yeah. Uh I think that's the area that we lack. And once we figure that out, but look, we won a euro without our main striker scoring a gazillion goals, but he yeah, was right. there. He was there. He was there. He, and he was not so much without scoring goals. You know, he exactly. I mean, the position is much more than scoring just goals, goals, Absolutely. goals, goals. Everybody looks at goals and assists. That's why the, the, the idea that Jorginho is up for a Ballon d'Or is, is, is so crazy. Like, why is it that crazy? He's a great player who's won everything yeah. that's, out, that's out there to offer. It's not that you, you, people have to see what positions people like even Aussie men, Aussie men, is the same way with Napoli. It's the same thing. He's there to do other things and just score. His presence is felt, you know, uh, you know, similar to when Pitania comes on, like Pitania comes in and he's still a big presence. It's going to draw defenders closer to him, open up the space for the, the offense to move. So yep. for me, if Jao Pedro is scoring and he's on form and he wants to play, why not? Let's take him off their hands before Brazil sees that he's, this powerhouse or the, or not powerhouse, but you know what I mean? But before Brazil sees that he's worthy enough to play international football and let's take him off their hands. Why not? I, I think Italy still qualifies for the world cup. Not, you know, I'm, I'm not nervous about a playoff. I, I genuinely think that once this fixture congestion loosens up for these guys, you know, once they get a chance to find opportunities to rest here and there, I, you know, be able to come back, be able to come back fresh. I think that it's going to be better. I don't think that this is an Italy that's been found out by other teams. Um, I just, I think that this is an Italy that has a lot of players that have played a lot of games and are, are looking, are looking for some more intervals in between games. And I think that some people may say that that's a ridiculous thing to look at, but I mean, these guys are still human beings. They're world, they're world, they're highly conditioned athletes i get it you know but at, at some point you get to a point where it's like all right i mean <laughs> i if i played if i played uh nicola Barella's fixture schedule i'd be dead all right <laughs> i mean even <laughs> even when i was in my best shape uh you know back yeah. in the day i mean it's just like he play, plays every three days for inter then he plays every three days for italy and you know just he, he's just in, he's just one example too so um, I they're, they're still going. We'll have to see what the draw, the draw is November 26th to determine who the, you know, four team semifinal and final playoff is going to be. Uh, but it looks like they would draw like an unseated team to play against. And then the other semifinal is another is a seated against unseated. And then the winners play a, a playoff final uh, to go to the World Cup. So and I think under that circumstance, you know, looking at the rest of the teams that are going to be. Uh, available, um, the majority of the teams have not seen that kind of environment, and Italy at least has. So um, I think the only other team that we're probably talking about in this conversation is the handful of guys that are probably still in the Portugal camp uh, from winning Euro 2016, and that's it. And they may not be drawn to Portugal. So um, if uh, UEFA does something funny with the draw, which you got to think that you never – I wouldn't rule it out. Let's just put it that way. So it's very possible. So my confidence level with Italy getting to the World Cup is at ninety percent. I, you know, I'll 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 go with ninety. How about you, Rafa? I'm pretty confident. 
I'm pretty confident that they'll go to the World Cup. I think, you know, I th- I think, uh, like I said earlier, when backs are against the wall, when you're in like tournament mode, you know, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't get to the Nations League final with Spain, but I mean, you know, listen, they, you know, they had a great run and um, it wasn't World Cup qualifying, so maybe we can, you know, overlook that and. I think I think the goal for them to get to the World Cup, you know, is is priority, and uh, they'll they'll pull through. And you, listen, you never know. You have an unseeded team beat the seeded team that we're with, and next thing you know, we're in a final against an unseeded team. Uh, the only thing that really kind of makes me nervous is that the final won't be like guaranteed to be at the seeded place uh, uh, team. Uh, if there is a seeded team, the, the final will be determined at the draw. The draw, mind you guys, is uh, Black Friday. I think it's at like 11 in the morning. But uh, okay. uh, yeah, so uh, we'll find out soon enough, right? And uh, I, I, But I'm confident. I'm confident. I think, listen, if, if Portugal don't look that great, so that's the only team I'd pretty be a little nervous about. And they don't yeah. look that great right now. So yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Oh, the seeded, let's real, real quickly... Uh, the six seeded teams are Portugal, Scotland, Scotland somehow, Italy, Russia, Sweden, and Wales. And then the unseeded teams are Turkey, Poland is unseeded, uh, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria, and Czech Republic. How the hell would I mean? What so the, the reason why the reason yeah the reason why uh, teams are seeded and unseeded it, it it goes off of performance in the group stage. Ah. So it's not really. FIFA rank, you know, Got it. probably should be, but um, it goes off the performance. So, so I guess the, the teams that had one more uh, team than everyone else did, um, they had their game against the last place team sort of wiped out. And then, so to make everything even uh, and Scotland ended up like in that seated crowd. So there you go. So their win over Denmark on the last day helped possibly was able. Yeah. Probably, that was probably, that was okay. probably the reason. Yeah. Okay. Richard, your confidence level in Italy getting to the World Cup? Uh, it's probably like 75%, I would say. I'm confident, um, but again, it depends on who the draw is. And honestly, the way they've been playing, not just, not just these last couple of games, but, you know, like you mentioned, the last you know several months since the, since the win in the Euros is, has got me a little worried. And so do I think they can switch the, flick the switch? Yes and no. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith that they have – they obviously have the talent to do it. Uh, can they – get up for the games, which we know they've done it in the past. So I'm going to say 75% chance that they're going to move on. Okay. So everybody take a deep breath and relax. Let these guys uh, regroup a little bit, get acclimated to their clubs, get away from the national team scene. And then when they come back fresh, they'll be back in the World Cup. Everybody relax about that now. So (laughs) let's move on the main event today, Inter-Napoli. Richard, take it away. Yeah, yeah. Give me one second. Just uh... oh, okay. Now I'm good. <laughs> I had to send a message out real quick. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Inter hosting Napoli, one of the, obviously the top of the table clash. Uh, looking at number one against number three. Uh, you know, really many people want to say that you know, and and not and and Rafa, no disrespect. People want to say that Napoli have had a softer of the game so far. But to be fair, you beat who you got to beat. Whoever's in front of you, you play. And, and Napoli have been doing that. So this is a big challenge for Napoli. Inter, obviously, many people want to write them off already, but um, this is not a team that you really want to be worried about. I mean, or 
forget about because they are the reigning champions. And uh, looking at their lineup in this one, uh, Handanovic in goal and back three of Skriniar, Ranocchi, and Bastoni. They went with a midfield at five, I'm going to call it. Darmian, Barella, Brozovic, Chalanolo, and Perisic. And up top, you had actually Correa and Martinez starting this one. Uh, very strong lineup, and then going right to Napoli's lineup. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get both your gentlemen's thoughts on the lineups after this. But let me Napoli's lineup real quick. David Ospina in goal. Uh, went with the back four of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Kulabali, who's back from suspension, and Mario Rui. Uh, midfield of Anguisa, Ruiz, uh, Zelinski, and then up top you obviously had uh, Lozano, Osimhen, and, and Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, I'm gonna go first to you, Rafa. Uh, thoughts on both lineups, obviously in particular to Napoli's lineup, but what would you see from Inter as well that maybe had you worried? Well, that had me worried was Correa up there with uh, with uh, Lautaro. I rate Correa very highly, and uh, I was I was a little worried at first about about him and uh, um, you know the fact that Inter are the champions. You know they're the champions. They're 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 on a good run of form. They're not. You know they're they're not a team that you take lightly. So any any you know sort of combination of anyone on that team you know could do the job. You know, uh, I, I was I was also really worried about uh, the fact that Lautaro really hasn't gotten his you know footing yet this season. Um, and obviously we'll get into it, but he uh, he took care of that today. You know, so so you know just the fact that Inter are. are are the reigning champions and we're going over there with a limited um, presence in, on the, in the stands Campania residents were unable to buy tickets to this match. So hmm. those were things that I was a little worried about with the Inter lineup. Yeah, Frank. And we've seen from, you know, Inzaghi, at least in these early games, at least in the big games that he's had to face that he can manage under the pressure and it seems not to daunt him. He seems to set up his teams very well. Uh, what were your thoughts on both lineups, you know, first starting with Inter and then going over to Napoli and what you thought? Um, I, I liked Inter's. I like the idea of Correa and Martinez up front together uh, for this particular situation. I think you start with a couple of guys that um, when you have a defender of Koulibaly's experience and talent, um, if you put a guy like Jekyll up there, um, a big, stiff striker that, you know, there's not a whole lot of movement. It's just a whole lot of target play. I think Koulibaly has proven over the years that that's an easy striker for him to defend. Um, so I liked that he went with a Correa-Martinez partnership that was a little more dynamic, that could run, that could that could pull Napoli's back line apart, especially in certain counterattacking situations when they were present. But you know, still be decent enough to be reference points, especially Latara Martinez. He's not the he's not the target man that Aiden Jekyll is, but he can do a reasonable enough job of it. Um, I think that Darmian made a whole lot of sense on the right. We've talked about this before. We don't think D- Dumfries has the defending chops uh, for this league just yet. Uh, even though he does have a ton of promise, and i i like the I like the Perisic start on the left because you're playing a guy that you know gets forward um, and can keep Di Lorenzo honest. Even though we, we we've seen Di Lorenzo be a guy that not 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 a guy that's going to go forward a lot, a guy that can can stay home, a guy that defends really well on the flank. Um, the Rafa watches De Lorenzo way more than I do. Um, so he can correct me anytime he wants, but, um, but the presence of a Perisic maybe gives a player like De Lorenzo some pause in going forward. Um, 
you know, and, and I think we kind of saw this in the Derby too. Calabria didn't go forward a lot um, because of the, uh, you know, because of the presence of an Ivan Perisic there. And I think that that does something to the right back in that setup. Yeah, no, that's all, absolutely a fair shout there. And uh, this game uh, got off hot and heavy. The game went really both ways. Uh, I thought you, uh, Napoli did a good job of um, obviously controlling possession early on. But, you know, as uh, Anthony mentions in the chat, uh, I thought Inter did a very good job of controlling the play, I thought. But, you know, we wanted to see a goal. We were hoping for a goal early. We did. Uh, Peter Zielinski, goal of the week candidate. What a bomb from distance on the 17th minute. And one nothing. Great way to get the game started. Uh, going over into uh, maybe not even 10 minutes later, uh, a foul in the box, um, a penalty called, and of course uh, it gets converted. But uh, gentlemen, thoughts on the penalty uh, before uh, as it happened, I guess. Uh, Rafa, I'm going to start with you when that penalty happened. What were your thoughts as it, as it went through? Well, my initial thoughts were it's going to get, it's going to get, you know, ruled out. But once I saw the replay, there's no denying it. There was a hand, yeah. it was a handball. You know, yeah. the yellow was a little much. I I, I definitely agree with the penalty call yeah. for sure. The yellow a bit much. I don't yeah. think he purposely had Kulibali. He you know being Kulibali. Yeah. Don't think he had his hands out on purpose. I just think it was a reaction to the to his movement. Um, and I guess by the by the book, you know, you could go with out calling that but um it was just too i think it hit his hand that he was protecting by his chest and then his hand that was stretched out so for right. me it was like a double whammy i wasn't right. upset with the penalty it was it, it was what it was i was a little annoyed with the yellow you know i think that was yeah. a little much but what are you gonna do uh converted really well mind you you know hakan doing his thing and uh you know just was hoping for another goal soon yeah, Frank, uh, you know, with Koulibaly defending Barella, Barella point-black taking a shot. I mean, there's not much he can do. I think I agree with Rafa. I think it was a penalty with a hand there. Not yeah. intentional, but it's a handball. It's by the rule, right? Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on, on it, the whole play there? No, it's a, penal- it's a penalty. There's, I mean, I don't think there's much. I, I mean, it's arms out, and by the letter of the law, they've been calling that all season long. So, yeah. uh, And I'm with Rafa. I don't know. For me, I think it's silly to give a booking there. I mean, it's yeah. just it's, – it's not even that he – did any? There, there really isn't any malice to what he did there. His arms yeah, out. No intention. Run. No, no, no. You know, let's let's get on with our lives because, you know, when you start getting yellow card accumulation and have to sit out of games, you're gonna just go take a take a quick look back and say, that's a yellow that he really didn't need. You know, and that's a yellow that's not necessarily warranted. So it has an impact in that regard. Yeah. How about how quickly the referee? Who was it? Who was it today? Valeri. Valeri, right? How how about how quickly he he uh, went to go look at the at the replay and just right. Like, it looks like he barely looked at it, you know, and then just yeah. right there was like, okay, penalty, but they were deliberating in, in the box, I guess for a few minutes, but uh, definitely a penalty. Not going to yeah. argue it at all. Yep. Yeah. It was Valeri for sure. And uh, yeah, I think he, as soon as he saw the hand like that, he's like, all right, it's a penalty. Like it, it is what it is. And I, I even said it during the, when the play happened, it's like, that's a, that's a penalty right there. Um, yep. So yeah, penalty went in uh, goal scored one, one game on, uh, get play will continue obviously on uh, as we go into the half. Looks like we're gonna maybe get to a, a one-one in the, at, at halftime, but Inter do get a corner just before halftime. Uh, in swinger from from Hakan uh, goes near post. Perisic does what you're supposed to do: make that run, get that flick on. Wonderful flick. It goes over the line. Ospina blocks it out, but I mean, when you're watching it, it looked like it went in automatically. Uh, goal line decision 
came up quickly on referee's watch. It was a goal, uh, a blow of a goal to be scored late, late in the first half. Rafa, uh, I know, you know, going to going one one, you think it's going to be a good scenario here. You can still recuperate, but a goal like that is always a gut punch so late. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, subconsciously, you know, I, I always have that never quit, you know, attitude. Now I'm always. I'm always the optimist. Every Napoli fan that's watching this knows that knows me knows that I'm going to be the glass half full guy all the time. Uh, even I was a little worried about this one. Once, once that goal went in and um, Napoli had to go to the break, you know, I was hoping for another goal for us quickly. Um, but I, I somewhat think it kind of deflated us, you know, and we were able to catch our bearings later, but, but, but at that moment at the half, it was just, Really, really, you know, it was the first time we conceded two goals in a match this season, you know. So to have done it before halftime was against Inter was really uh, worrying for me. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't really <laughs> I wasn't really optimistic at that point. Frank, a third of the goal scored for Nap- against Napoli this year happened in this game. Uh, well, in the first half, I should say. Um, it's, it's a smart play by Perisic for sure. Uh, you're looking at the first half overall. As I mentioned, Napoli did have the better of the possession, but I think what you saw is Inter looked very in control. They were, they were bending but not breaking. They did enough. They were make, getting chances on their own. Uh, what, were, what was your thoughts of the first half and, and that goal after it happened? Um, I truthfully felt that um, – I, I truthfully felt that that goal ended up presenting a score that Inter deserved to have. Um, at halftime, I thought that they were, I thought that they were the better team. Um, they were certainly the more dangerous team, um, had more of the ball, had a ton of chances. Um, I, uh, the, the huge save on, Os- uh, on, on, uh, uh, on a, on a Barella chance by Ospina. Um, and I've been talking about Nicola Barella a lot tonight. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was extremely dangerous in the first half. It just, it felt like he constantly kept finding some space. You know, not necessarily in between the lines, not necessarily in certain breakdown situations, but that right-hand side just short of the penalty area, it seemed like he was there and just no one within five yards of him and could get a ball and do whatever he wanted with it. Um, so that for me appeared that 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 for me appeared to be an issue um, for Napoli in terms of how they approach him, how they defend him, and he was able to get off some crosses. He had a chance that again Ospina saved. So for me. You know, with some of his movements and positions, he was able to get in. But Ella, for me, was one of the best players in the first half. Um, you know, you're going to naturally gravitate to Chalinolu because he had the uh, goal and the assist in, in dead ball situations, and it's a it's a reminder of how critical dead ball situations are. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, you had the penalty, and then you had the corner. Um, things that kind of when Napoli lose, these are the kind of things that turn up. Um, And it's interesting to me, Rafa, because I was very critical of this team under Saudi and then, you know, and managers, you know, following him that, okay, well, if they end up, if they have to defend set pieces, if they have to defend corners, that's where they're going to concede goals. Um, You know, that happened again here. Um, so over the last couple of seasons, I think they've actually been better in those areas, but to see a real old 
<laughs> way of conceding goals turn up couldn't have been pleasing. Um, but I, I, you know, I thought Inter were the better team over the course of the first 45 minutes. I thought they deserved to be ahead. So, but it was a penalty and then a set piece, things that tend to go against Napoli when they lose. Yeah. And it's, it's a little frustrating. And also the fact that we rarely score from a set piece, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit better under Spalletti, but um, still a lot more to work on. Um, But yeah, I mean, just for, for, for a team that's really defensively sound usually, um, they they have a lot of problems defending the set piece, and uh, you know today it cost them the game for real. And um, you know, hey, listen, uh, we were never gonna we were never gonna go thirty eight games giving up like five goals. You know, <laughs> these things are gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as as far as at the half, like I said earlier, goes, I was I was a little worried. Um, there were not a lot of chances from either team. They took two shots, I think, uh, before the. But you know, each each, each team had a shot before uh, uh, Inter made it too, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was just it was just like it, it felt like going into the half, the game was just start starting to pick up a little bit, but definitely favoring Inter. So yeah, Napoli need yeah. to really work on defending those set pieces. Um, everything to me looks a little better under Spalletti with this group. Yeah. Um, since Sadi left, you know, uh, uh, we had Ancelotti in, we had Gattuso in, and there was a process to get back to where we were under Sadi. But I think Spalletti's really got these guys focused, uh, you know, except for today. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, Napoli still look like a good squad. I think the, the announcers jinx you guys early on because before the game they're talking about Napoli, Napoli have one of the best defenses in the in the in Europe alongside Chelsea, who's only given four goals yeah. against. And then you know, of course, Inter bound to score goals after you after you hear that. So, but no, uh, they also mentioned that Inter were the highest goal goal scoring team in Serie A too. True, so. true. So, so you which, know, the, which you saw happen for one one or the other was going to happen always in this game. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I see VJ's in the house. How you doing, VJ? Uh, so you know, going down two one at halftime in Napoli, we're going to look to try to respond quickly coming out of the second half. Things though did not get off to a nice start there because uh, unfortunately an 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 injury a bad injury to Osiman looked like I think he collided with Skriniar or somebody uh, it's an orbital injury uh, we'll see how long he's out for but Rafa that's got to be a scary sight every time you see Osiman go down he had the big injury last year now with this one this starts him to the head uh, what were your thoughts when initially in the injury when you first saw it well when I first saw it I thought it was awful. And then it turns out it was even worse. Uh, Ossiman has spent the night in the hospital and is confirmed to have multiple facial fractures, including his orbital bones. So that was just uh, sort of breaking breaking news, guys. So um, uh, that I, I mean, listen, I, I don't know the recuperate like the recuperate the rec- recovery time, the recuperating time. Uh, w- what that would be, I would assume at as soon as is like head is better because <laughs> I'm sure it's got to hurt you, you know, yeah. your brain, your head, you know, yeah. he'll probably be out for a few games. I think when he comes back, he'll have to wear some sort of headgear. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's not looking good. You know, our best player, our focal point of the team is out again, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's not a good thing. So, you know, I'm a little worried about that. And I was worried when it happened. And 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 the, the time that he was on the ground was probably about eight minutes on the ground. Um, 
uh, I knew Patanya was coming in and, you know, you take Patanya for what he's worth. Uh, he's, he's good in certain situations, but for the whole half against Inter, I was very, very extremely worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. And to make things worse, and you mentioned Rafa, how, um, Lautaro Martinez is someone who's been snake bitten of lately, not the greatest of start this season, but he would finally get it off the score sheet. Uh, he would score a goal in the 61st minute. Nice, lovely goal. Uh, far post uh, past uh, Ospina. Two to one at that point. Or excuse me, three to one at that point. Looks like maybe it's going to be a runaway. Uh, you saw a good fight from, from Napoli trying to get back into the game. Really, the last 20 minutes of the game seemed to be all Napoli's way. And, and why wouldn't it be, right? Uh, two goal advantage for Inter. All they got to do is sit back and protect the lead. Obviously, Napoli going to have more and more of the possession. A lot of chances were getting created uh, in this game. Uh, they would finally get their goal, a goal of the week candidate by Dries Mertens in the 79th minute from distance. Uh, made it 3-2 at that point. Um, kept pushing late, late in the game. One of the plays of the week. Uh, a wonderful cross, and I forget who got the cross off. I think it was Di Lorenzo. Far See. post, Mario Ruiz coming diving in with the header. And Handanovic, I don't know how he reacts. This guy rarely moves these days when it gets fast shots, but he reacted just well to get the ball over the crossbar. Point blank, fantastic save. That's that saved the game for Inter there. Inter ended up getting all the all three points in this game, three to two, and clawed their way back into into the Scudetto talk. Four points behind Milan and and Napoli. Frank, um, big result for Inter. I mean, it was a good game both ways. You can't yep. people want to knock Napoli for this game for losing, but you can't. Inter are Inter a good team. Both teams. I mean, Napoli very much could have tied this game several times. Um, but full credit's got to go to Handanovic and Inter for getting the win in this one. Uh, but how big was that save at the end of the game? Uh, Gordon Banks is somewhere, uh, some somewhere wherever he is, stood up and applauded that. Um, yeah, you know that was imme- that's immediately what I was thinking. I, I I still think Banks's save was slightly more impressive, but I mean it was uh, th- this save was at that level. Um, I want to go to the third goal for Inter. Because I think that Napoli should have been able to avoid it. Um, I think there's way too much respect for Correa uh, coming forward with the ball. You know, both Rachmani and 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 Koulibaly drop off. Everybody drops off, drops off, drops off. Koulibaly starts pointing, and I think he's pointing at Di Lorenzo to deal. You know, deal with. There was a runner going to Correa's left. Okay, I thought in in the situation the numbers were even. I thought Rahmani should have come up and approached Correa. Okay. And Koulibaly now gets into a position. If he does that, Koulibaly gets into a position. This is where I think that there needed to be some sort of, there needed to be that triangle. There needed to be a confrontation from Rahmani. He's dropping off way too much. So now Correa has the space to pass to Lotaro. Okay. If Rahmani steps up, okay, and forces Correa in the direction. I can't even remember who went to the left of Correa. That goal is avoided because there's no way a pass gets to Lataro at that point. Um, and even if it does, Koulibaly's in a position to read it and defend it. Um, so I, I just, I thought it was, you know, it's a good counter by Inter and you're going to give them credit for it and, and that sort of thing. I just thought that Napoli could have defended that so much better with the numbers that they had available to them. It's not like they were outnumbered. It's not like they were overwhelmed, but it was poor defending. You know, I have to call it out. Um, and then, um, then finally, yeah, the chances. I mean, you know, we, this game after that 3-1 went exactly the way I thought it would go. I mean, this is – 
what did what did Simone Inzaghi do at at uh, at Lazio? He countered a lot. Okay, you know, and he had those two forwards. They go the other way. They you know, and they score. You know, what did they do here? They they went for the counter when they got into a comfortable position. They were more than happy to let Napoli have the ball, have some trust in those defenders. Um, lived on their nerves a little bit because obviously he had the great goal for Mertens. And then, um, you, yeah, I mean, a, a Handanovic, a goalkeeper that has been reviled uh, of late for Inter. And, we, you know, coming up big, um, I believe there was one other chance there. I think it was a – no, Mertens put it over – Mertens put it over the bar. Anguissa did um, fabulous there to create that opportunity, and Mertens yeah. flubbed it over the top of the bar. I'm like, oh, that would have been goal of the week for me if it had yeah. that in. We very easily could have been talking about shared points here today um, for just those reasons. We talk about the Mertens miss at the end, the Rui header that was saved, and then the intercounter. Those are three moments that all could have gone in a different direction. Um, and we could have been taught, we could be talking about a draw here. So I thought that Inter deserved the three points. They played well. They did what they had to do to get the three points. But this game was a lot. This game, when you look at it in cumulative over the 90 minutes, this game was close. This game was well played by both teams. And I wouldn't have complained if uh, they both got out of there with, uh, with splitting the points. With um, with Insignia and Lozano coming off after the Osman injury, now you have an entirely different front line there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Anguisa in the in the last in the last twenty twenty five minutes when Inter made their changes, it really opened up for Napoli. I mean, Inter were looking set to defend anyway, but uh, it really opened up for Napoli, and I I really believe that you know. Uh, Napoli deserved the point or even more, but at the same time, so did Inter. So because of that, because of the fact that Napoli were away to the champions, hadn't lost since uh, the Juve game that was rescheduled from COVID last season. (laughs) Uh, So we're talking 24, you know, 24 league matches unbeaten. Um, that is what makes me okay with today's result. I mean, no one ever wants to lose. Obviously, we let Inter right back into the Scudetto race, you know, and so did Milan with their loss, and we'll cover that later. But uh, I'm I'm not I, – like, I'm disappointed, but at the same time, I'm not disappointed. I, I, I think we fought valiantly. I think yeah. not only without their best player, they could have really, you know, destroyed them, and it could have been 4-5-1. But they fought. Mertens' goal was, you know, in a, a fantastic goal. It was just an amazing, amazing goal. Uh, first of the season, but his 103rd in Serie A, which makes him all-time Napoli Serie A goal scorer, on top of the fact that he's actually the, the top goal scorer for the club in, in all competitions. Right. Um, but this, this loss, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> the fact that Handanovic... And, and, you know, listen, Handanovic is a legendary goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, yeah. he's, he's up there in the upper echelons of goalkeeping, but lately he's been a little stagnant. You know, we all, we all know that. And for him to come up with the save of like his season so far against Napoli is absolutely totally Napoli. I mean, you have scrub goalkeepers becoming the second coming of Buffon against Napoli all the time. Mm-hmm. So for, so for, a struggling, you know, aging, 
Inter looking to replace Handanovic to come up with that humongous save on Rui is amazing. You had Elmas with an opportunity in the box who kind of got kind of like like went uh, like twinkle toes, you know. And then you had the Mertens uh the Mertens chance at the end of the match that he soared, soared over the you know over the bar. I just feel like it was in the cards for Inter to win because those those three instances there um, you know, great creation by Anguisa. I'm just so happy about the Anguisa move. It's it's like we've, That's a brilliant we've move. Brilliant yeah. he he's for me so far midfielder of the season, you know. Yeah. Um it just wasn't in the cards today, guys. And uh, you know, listen, it was time to lose and we lost to the champions, and I'm all right with that at the end of the day. To be fair, Handanovic seems to play his best games against the biggest teams. He's notorious for doing that against Milan. We've seen it with Napoli, he's done against Juventus as well. So yeah. Not surprising there, but yeah, you know, had this game ended three to one, I think you can argue that people are going to start, you know, being the, the haters towards Napoli, say, ah, maybe they're not ready for it. But you saw the fight in them. They brought a goal back and then they nearly tied it at the end. Uh, there's fighting this team. So this is a very good team. But then also on the flip side, looking at Inter, people who wrote them off early in the season are starting to backtrack now because they are a legit team. They, they always have been. They've added different pieces, different manager. Yes, but they're still a very good team. And what you see now between the top three, Inter's got four points while the other two have only what two, one or two points. So they've been the best performer of the top three in terms against head to head. So people cannot write them out. There's just four points now. It's still two game difference, but you know, Inter has to be taken seriously this year. Uh, And it's probably looking at the top three right here. You're looking at Inter, Napoli, and Milan, and not in that order necessarily, but um, those are probably the three teams you're going to be talking about this year. And it's something catastrophic happens to one of these teams and it's happened in the past. So anything is possible, but uh fantastic game i think for the neutral frank i think nobody can really be upset about what happened in this game uh good score line close game uh we got a winner in this game so yeah overall a great game that ended ended fantastically with that save by Handanovic. uh closing thoughts on this game frank uh between inter and napoli yeah i mean i mean a great advert for Serie A overall um you know it's, it's really the the simple way to put it in a, in a match that wasn't decided by a referee. I, I'm actually, and we've been very critical of referees here. I thought Valeri was very good. I mean, I thought for the most part, he let these guys play. He knew the magnitude of the game and he didn't make it about him. It was refreshing to see that for a change from an official in this league. So I, I can't look okay. at a single, you know, I can't look at a single, and I wanted to make sure I made a point about that. I can't look at a single thing that he did or called that I look at and said, yeah, that had an impact on the game or wow, what this is, this is shocking. I, I'm good with it. I mean, if we're if we're if we really want to split hairs, just the um, giving Koulibaly the yellow for a for that handball, I'd probably be the only thing that I would would have said that that was that was ta- that was a little too far. The penalty's enough. So Ricky's happy. Yeah, got so, a nice three points, of course. All right, and uh, let's see. So. Um, Let's uh, let's dive into the undercard of the weekend. That all took place on Saturday, uh, and we'll start with Lazio and Juventus. Um, this ended with Juve winning two nil. Uh, Saudi's first crack against a team that he thought was untrainable. Um, there's actually a <laughs> Who Won Calcio Twitter entry. Uh, a good one, yeah. Along those lines. Um, but it was a Leonardo Bonucci penalty brace. Uh, Roberto Mancini, did you see that? Um, <laughs> uh, 2-0 for um, 
the Bianconeri uh, in this win. Um, taking a look at it, um, first point I want to first thing I want to get to here, Richard uh, Luca Pellegrini getting an opportunity. Um, yeah, and 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 looked good. Um, uh, Allegri went to a three man defense of Danilo. Uh, Bonucci and Delict and had Quadrado and Pellegrini as li- I think right now Allegri's in this weird gray area right now of he's finding ways to win but I think he's trying to figure out how do I get more of a consistent attack that's at least what I'm getting from when I watch um Juve play and in this game they let Lazio have the ball but they outshot them they got chances on target um, they, they, they tested Reyna beyond the, um, uh, beyond the two penalties. Uh, the, the first one was a VAR review that they ended up granting the penalty. I want to get your guys thoughts on it. I thought it was a fair call. Uh, Richard, I'll start with you. So on the first penalty, I thought it was a good call. Uh, reckless challenge, a guy who we've been praising a lot lately, Cataldi, uh, silly play, very reckless, I think. Uh, and it was uh, certainly a penalty. I think it was like against Chiesa, possibly. I forget exactly. But, um, yeah, it's a penalty in my book, and I thought it was a good call by the referee. Uh, no problems about that. Uh, do you want me to talk about the second penalty? Well, the second penalty, I was actually quite surprised Reyna didn't get sent off for that. But yeah, go ahead. My take on that, and I'm going to try to be as consistent as I can be with, with all the calls that are similar to this, at first glance, it's reckless. I mean, he came in behind. First of all, Kulishevsky did well in the back end to make a beautiful pass over the top to Chiesa. Chiesa, magnificent to go around Reyna. And in the box, and then Reyna comes out of nowhere and just destroys him, right? And at first glance, you're like, that's a stupid penalty, red card, should be out of the game. And I'm watching the replay. Reyna got the ball first. And if I want to be consistent, I want to say that shouldn't maybe not have been a penalty. And I'm going to be probably the only person saying that, but – Looking at the replay, I think he got so. the ball first. And I hate saying that because I thought my optics say clear penalty. But to be fair, I've been saying all all season long that when the, the, the defender gets the ball first, it should be a clean call. And so it's tough, and I, I'm going to get hate on this, but I think it maybe shouldn't have happened because the ball was touched. Maybe it was dead on, dead on. But it looked like Reyna got the ball first. And as bad as it looked, I think maybe it shouldn't have been a call. But – I know I'll get hate for it. I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on that. Rafa, your thoughts on the t- on the two penalties? I think they were both deserved, uh, yep. to be honest with you. Honestly, this this week for me, refereeing wasn't an issue. Yeah. Uh, normally it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely both deserved penalty kicks. Uh, and, and, and I'm really, you know, listen, I can't say this unofficially I'm really excited that Bonucci scored the two penalty kicks the way he did because <laughs> hopefully you know Mancini we record this right <laughs> listen you guys got me on a lot of things I've been saying I'm a, I'm a Milan fan too you know all that stuff but uh, uh, <laughs> you got me on a lot of things but no honestly honest honest to goodness I'm, I'm very happy that Bonucci was able to bury those hopefully Mancini is looking at it like Frank said but but as far as the penalties being given I think they were all, all uh, you know clear and concise and i'm not surprised i'm surprised reyna didn't get sent off to be honest with you yeah. um richard i'm gonna have to look at that again man because <laughs> i know you said you yeah, did, i didn't look I'll at look it from that perspective either i i can look at it again but i mean yeah i, I think it was i think it was the right no like, <laughs> I <think> it's the <laughs> right. <laughs> no i i i look i'm gonna say that 
Um, it's a tight call. It was a stupid play by Reyna, no matter what, you know, how you want to look at it. And I kept, and I, for me, I was like, this is dead on penalty for sure. And then I started watching replays and I saw the ball gets poked out. A couple angles don't really show it, but there's a couple, there's two angles that really show him get the ball first. Um, and for that, for me, I'm, that's why I say that it's like I said, it's so tight. It's a stupid play by Reyna, no matter what, but definitely check it out. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Go ahead, Frank. Um, okay, so Juventus win, Lazio lose. I mean, I think we're st- I think we're looking at Lazio right now as yeah, they're sixth. <laughs> I don't but, see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Richard's Richard's trying to Richard's Richard. trying to create something that's not there. I'm trying. I'll look again and again until I see it. <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> it wasn't as obvious as some other calls this year. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay. It was stupid by Reyna, no matter what. It was very. It's a Lazio that certainly does does not is is not the same without Chiru Mobley out there, um, you know. But I want to talk about Juve right now. I mean, there's no team in Italy or even in Europe for that matter that is comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that's Juve for you, um, and that's Allegri for you. Yeah, is it good enough now? But is it good enough for them to be top four? No, it's not. It's not. Um, I think the Danilo injury early on in the game was was bad for them. But it, it kind of like it w- Allegri went back to his back four, which he's comfortable with. Had it been the other way around and forced into a back three, could have been different, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, th- and, and Allegri 1.0, yeah, this is good enough. Absolutely. But this is not Allegri 1.0. We've seen it over and over again. Uh, and I think it was good enough in Allegri 1.0 because everybody else in the league wasn't as good as they are now. Correct. Correct. This is the deepest league we've had in a long time. There's seven, eight arguably really good teams here vying for European spots. So this is a difficult league, and this is not good enough now. And, um, yeah, I think it's uh, he's got to still find a way to get more production from his team, um, whether that's Dybala pulling the strings. We saw Chiesa doing some magnificent runs in this game. Kulashevsky with a nice passing. Um, I know Kulishevsky got a lot of hate online this weekend, but um, they're they're there, but they're not quite. Like, Cuadrado had a nice play late in the game, uh, setting up Morata, who went for that sensational volley. But, uh, yeah, it's not good enough yet. And, you know, this, team, this league is too deep, and they're going to get caught up as they have been this season. Um, they still need a lot to do here, and I, I imagine – I'd probably give it a 99% chance that Allegri's going to go out and buy some players because this is not the players he needs for his team. And he's going to try to band-aid it till we get to uh, the Christmas window, but um, it's not good enough for top four. And at the moment, you're they might not be good enough for Europe. I mean, the way Fiorentina are playing, the way some of these other teams are playing, they're going to have to do much better, I think, to even get into that European discussion as a firm, solid bet. Defensively, they're good enough, but offensively, it's not there yet for me. Rafa, can they sustain this? I think they, I think they will. I think they will, and I think they'll get to fourth. Um, but like you guys said, is it good enough? It's never good enough for Juventus for just fourth. Fourth is, fourth is never good enough. Uh, that's a that's like a that's like a, a 2015 to 19 Napoli mentality. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's it's not good enough. Fourth place yeah. uh, for Juve is is no. They have to win trophies. I mean, and and t- I tell you what, you know, in Europe they're you know dynamic, you know, and and they're they're doing their thing in Europe, and um, uh, you know, if uh, if they continue the way they are, like you know, coming up big in Europe, they can probably go far in that, but uh, it's coming at a price in in the league, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Ronaldo leaving at the deadline really screwed them big time. Uh, yep. I had them as Scudetto winners. Um, I, I picked the top four before the Mercato, and then I picked one through 20 after the Mercato. And and Juve went from Scudetto winners to fourth place barely. Yeah. Uh, and, and and for me, it was behind Roma. And I, I crazy enough, I had Lazio in third place. But, uh, that you know, we see how that's going. But uh, Juve, Juve, for me, uh, is, is, is something is missing in that in that team. And like you guys said, it could either be that, you know, because when you look at the team that won the last team that won the Scudetto under Allegri, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the last team before Ronaldo was in, you know, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, you had Dybala and you had Cuadrado and you had good, good enough players, but not, you know, I, I feel like something is missing for them, even though they have Chiesa, who's dynamic, even though they got Kulusevsky, who with Atalanta was amazing, even though they got Locatelli, who was rated highly at Sassuolo, you know, something is not right within their chemistry. And I never thought that Allegri coming in was going to bring Juventus to Scudetto again. I always thought mm-hmm. Allegri with Ronaldo might have done it. But um, you, you, going back to what worked before doesn't always work out. That's why right. everybody, when you know, and, and not to throw Napoli into the situation, but we're talking about Sadi with Lazio, and he was with Juve and stuff like that. And everybody was saying we should just bring Sadi back in, Sadi, 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 Sadi. And it's like, well, how do you know that that's going to work? Even though there's some of the core that was still there, that's a whole different team now. How do you know that that's going to work under Sadi? So I, I'm always against going back. You saw what happened with Lippi in the national team when they when he went back. You know. Yep. Just not for me. You move on and you you, you start over. You know, you, you. I think that Allegri was was expecting a team that was together with Ronaldo to bail them out, and what he really got was a team that was in shambles and Ronaldo bailing them out. So, yep. There's that. There you go. Let's see what it, let's see what happens. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think Lazio. It's it's. There's not much to say about. There's not much to say about this. They missed Chiro. Uh, Marici is not the answer. Um, you know, it's still a work in progress in certain spots, and I think that there's a certain lack of depth to Lazio that kind of, kind of, shortens their ceiling, if you will. So I don't know if there's much we have to say about Lazio beyond that. Is there? I don't no. think so. No. Yeah, no. I don't think okay. so. Well, let's move on to the next one. Okay, Fiorentina <laughs> and Milan. Um, and I only wanted to bring up the Lazio question to delay talking about this game, but <laughs> we got to bring it up. Um, Richard lost a bet. It's why he's wearing a Fiorentina jersey. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Um, Bati goal. That's the reason I'm wearing it. Oh, ah, okay. Okay. Um, so 15 minutes in, a uh, routine corner kick for Tatarasanu to save and get his hands on. Oops. Uh, Alfred Duncan tucks it in. Uh, 1-0 to Fiorentina, a goal worthy of goal of the week. Uh, Ricardo Saponara always looks like Kaká or somebody like that against Milan when he plays against them, does it again. Uh, worldly from him to put Fiorentina up 2-0 at halftime. Um, Milan makes some changes. Um, they start attacking. They start trying to get something going, but then Fiorentina counter. It's Dusan Vlaovic getting around Tatarasanu again. 3-0 there. Uh, a Zlatan Ibrahimovic brace in the 62nd and 67th minutes, the 62nd being a goal of the week candidate. Um, 
just a powerful finish uh, from the left-hand side. Uh, but then it's that man Vlaovic again in the 85th minute to send it home uh, for Fiorentina. A Lorenzo Venuti on goal in the 96th minute gave a glimmer of hope um, to the Rossoneri uh, to maybe get a point out of this. But alas, it ended 4-3 for Fiorentina. I mean, Richard, I chalked this up as... Milan actually played really, really well in this game. It's one of those games that on a different day, some some of this some of this other crap gets shored up and you win and you get the three points, but that crap didn't get shored up and they get their first loss of the season. Yeah, and I think and some and I think Anthony has a right idea here. A lot of the reason it didn't pan out is because the defense was horrid in this game. Outside of Kiar and Kiar wasn't as great as a game, but you know, Gabia and Teo in particular had really, really poor games. You know, Teo with a poor giveaway that led to Vlaovic's goal at the end there. Um, obviously, Gabia give, doing the giveaways. And obviously, that first goal, he didn't help Tatarasano at all with with uh, trying to clear it at all and, and, and let Duncan get in the goal there. So defense played very poor there. Offensively, they created a lot of chances. I mean, Zlatan had a goal early, like four minutes into the game. It was offsides. Um, I thought they created enough offensively. Fiorentina just came to play. You have to give all the credit it has to go to Fiorentina, I think, the way yeah. they attacked this game. Instead of letting Milan, who's one of the big clubs, just come at you and, and then play defense, no, they went at them. And what you saw in the, from the first half, for, for the first whistle, honestly, throughout the game is they kept coming at them. You know, Vincenzo Italiano really had his men attacking them. Saponata, as you said, always plays well against Milan. But Vlahovic, Vlahovic was on today. He really was. Yeah. Not only with the goals, but he was he was involved in the box, causing chaos for that back four. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a combination of Milan's defense playing poor. And I think, uh, the right mentality for Fiorentina in this one, they have the talent to be good with any, to go up against anybody in this league, but sometimes the mentality isn't always right there. And in this game, they had it right on. Yep. Uh, Rafa thoughts on what you got, what you took out of this game. That Fiorentina are a formidable opponent. Uh, I think they have the right pieces to qualify for Europe this season. Um, I, I think they're an outside for Champions League uh, contender, you know, at least to fight for it. Uh, definitely Europa League. I think they have uh, such a great, I mean, young stud in Vlahovic, which, I mean, if they were to, you know, they really need to figure out what they're going to do with him because they, they need to, they need to sign him. If they're, if they're, if, if they don't keep him, they better sell him for a lot of money because that guy mm. is – he's something else. And I really do feel like um, Fiorentina are formidable. They are. Uh, on the other hand, I, I also feel like uh, Milan defensively were missing Tomori. Did he not – was he not he, – uh, he was not available, was he, for Kyle Tomori? Um, is he injured? I didn't see anything. I don't remember. I, I thought, don't know if they're resting him or what the, what the heck is going on there. But No, I mean, I, I knew he was sitting for the match. I, I remember seeing yeah. that. Uh, I don't remember if it was yellow cards the, or what it was. Before the match started, yeah. Um, but but I think he was I think he was a present. I mean, he's been pretty decent, uh, uh, you know, defender for Milan, I, mm-hmm. I feel, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Um, so he, they might have been missing something in defense today uh, or yesterday, rather. Um, and it just – I mean, and listen, anything can happen in Serie A. You know, this season is so competitive. So, I mean, I was happy to see the loss because we had the opportunity to uh, jump 
you know, ahead three points, which didn't happen. But um, I'm also still happy because we're still tied and it's going to be a great race. But, uh, uh, you know, for Milan to have lost to Fiorentina, I think was just like we lost to Inter. I think I don't think there's a lot of shame in that. For no. Fiorentina is a, a great team under Italiano and um, they have their, you know, ducks in a row, if you ask me. So hopefully Milan can rebound. Uh, yeah, Romagnoli was missing as well, wasn't? Because I yeah. So Tamori looked like he was injured and training. Romagnoli, I think, could have been a difference had he played. I don't know if he was available or injured or what, but I thought he would have been a big improvement over Gabia. Not to bl- put blame on Gabia, but still, it's it was a bad performance offensively overall. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah and you're I missing don't... Magnan. You're missing Mike Magnan. I mean, yeah. I don't think Tata Rusanu has been terrible for you guys except for yesterday that was uh he'd been serviceable he had been serviceable up until yesterday i have not had too much of an issue with him deputizing but at some point you've got to look and see you brought in antonio mirante he's got experience in this league he has played behind worse defenses and come away with clean sheets roma in particular over the last oh yeah um you know at some point you got to look at this and say, look, I mean, I, I, how much of a leash does Tatra Sanu have, um, you know, and, you know, until Mignan comes back. And that's, that's what I would probably have the issue with, um, you know, or that's the, that's the issue that I, that, that is, that is in play here for Pioli. How does he, you know, I think Milan fans at, after yesterday's game are easily going to look at this and say, yeah, bring in Mirante. Um, so, We'll see. I mean, and Fior- to your point about Fiorentina, I, I picked them to finish seventh, so I've got them in Europe. Um, you know, and so I'm not terribly surprised that they could produce a result here at home against Milan. Um, you know, so it's can they use this and and spring forward? Now we talked about Fiorentina here a couple of weeks ago, Richard. It's in front of them to start to go on a run here. Um, because they have none of the, they don't see any of the seven sisters again until February 6th. So, and and they have two quality goalkeepers in Dragowski and Terraciano. I mean, that, that it's fortunate right there. They got two solid goalkeepers there. Terraciano was fantastic in this game. I thought, by the way, uh, but yeah, they got a nice run here and they're going to move on up the table. I think, uh, these next stretch of games here. So. And can we ask Juventus Twitter nicely to please stop reaching for clickbait articles saying that Vlaovic is going there? I am so sick. Every time I open up Twitter Live now, it's a Juve Twitter guy saying, here's the latest. Vlaovic is going to Juve. Talks are in advanced stages. Shut up. To be fair, we hear, I also hear that from Milan Twitter as well. So, <laughs> you know, it's, everyone should clue. I just, that's, the, that's the best way to get attention is when you, when, you know, when someone's on the market, you want to, you know, link them to your club and then everybody's going to click on it because then they're going to believe it. You know, just like how Insigne is going to Toronto FC and how the Inter really want them. And come on. No wonder let's, no one follows us. Just kidding. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> come on. Give me a break. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's it, all it's all clickbait, like you said. Yeah, it's going to Newcastle, so it's uh, yeah that might that might happen. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, all right, that. Richard, do you want to break down? Uh, do you want to break down the rest of it? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. Uh, starting off, uh, Atalanta hosting Spezia. 
Uh, goal scoring started started in the eleventh minute through Enzola. We look is we're gonna have a surprise on hand. No, no, all Spezia did no. was wake up the beast. Uh, in the eighteenth minute, Pasalic, a guy who just can't stop scoring, scores in the eighteenth minute, makes it one one. Zapata get a goal from the penalty spot in the thirty eighth, make it two to one. Pasalic again get his brace in the forty first. 3-1 going into halftime. Uh, Muriel, all he does is come off the bench and score goals. He did that in the 83rd minute. And then to round things off uh, for, for Atalanta, Malanovsky in the 89th made it 5-1. And Zola got a consolation in the 91st minute. But 5-2 Atalanta, big win against Spezia. I guess it's more surprising they give up two goals than anything else. Uh, moving on, uh, one, of the, one of the more entertaining games, I think, over the weekend, uh, Sassuolo hosting Cagliari. Uh, goal scoring started... Uh, first, early in the uh, 37th minute, Skamaka, nice goal there to give Sassuolo the lead. Uh, but then we had the goal of the week, in my opinion, uh, Keita Balde in the 40th minute. Uh, a wonderful pass by Nandez, but the, even, a, even a more superior strike by Balde, overhead kick uh, to make it 1-1. Uh, going into halftime, coming out of the break, uh, we had Berardi get a goal from the penalty spot, and then Jao Pedro would equal that in the 56th. 2-2 this game. Uh, went back. It went back and forth both ways. Uh, very entertaining game, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, Kate Balde, that goal, unbelievable. Uh, speaking of goals, uh, Bologna and Venezia. This game struggled to have some goals, but it would be a guy who's been one of the main goal scorers for Venezia this season. Okareke, nice chip over the goalie, make it one nothing. And honestly, that was the only goal they needed in this game. They get a surprise win at Bologna. Uh, shock defeat for uh, Sinisa Mahalovic's men there. Uh, but big big three points for Venezia there. Uh, moving on, Salernitana hosting Sampdoria. Uh, goal in the 40th minute through the, the – it's an own goal, actually. Ditakio, uh, excuse me. Uh, originally thought it was credited towards Candreva, I think, but or maybe Cagliarella, but uh, eventually it's an own goal. Correct call. Candreva would score in the 43rd minute, made it 2-0 at halftime, and that would be all the goals in this one. Sampdoria, three points, big three points for them uh, in this one on the road. And then, um, you know, I thought the games – Oh, the goals were lacking this weekend. We had a lot of goals this weekend, but the goals, I, I thought the fantastic goals were lacking, in my opinion, until obviously Internopoli. And then and then this last game, Genoa, Genoa Roma, uh, good game. It was Shevchenko's debut for Genoa. Uh, you know, they they were bending, not breaking for the majority of the game. Roma couldn't find a way to break through there uh, until they brought in their uh, their youngster, Afina Gian. Uh, he would score a nice goal in the 82nd minute and then had a fantastic strike and stoppage time to make it 2 nothing. This is a, t- this a goal of the week candidate for sure. Full credit to Mourinho playing from the 18-year-old to get his first two goals in the league, but that second goal was something to, spect- uh, to, to watch there. Uh, Frank, where do you want to start with this roundup here? A uh, lot of goals, a uh, lot of entertaining games. Do you know that, first of all, Venezia might – I think I'm one of the only ones, if not the only one, to, to say they were going to survive. But Rafa, I think you said they would survive too. And they're in 13th, baby. Here they come. We got to keep those kits in Serie A for as long as we possibly can. So, well done to Venezia. Congratulations to them. I originally uh, had them finishing 19th, just so you know. But yeah. but uh, but I, I as the season went on, I I said that I can see them staying up. I think yep. they have a good team. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I like how they're set up. It's crazy. <laughs> Do you know what impresses me about Atalanta? All this attacking and all these goals. There isn't an alpha guy. You know, it comes it's, from everywhere. I mean, and it has been sustained. Um, uh, it's been sustained that way, too. That's the thing that's astonishing. I mean, Richard, 
I don't blame you for thinking Zapata could have been a Capo Canonieri last year because at some point you think somebody's doing all of this at some but it gets so spread out. It's the crazy. goals come from everywhere. It's just it's it's an impressive system. Yes. Um, you know, and I mean, we talk about the top three right now, but Atalanta sitting there right there in fourth at 25 points. And what do we say about them? This is when they're weak during the group stages of the Champions League where they're focused on that and trying to get out. But there yeah. they are in fourth. And we all talk about Inter has turned this into a three-horse race. There's Atalanta right there. That Just is a few true. more points behind. And they're every bit in this as those top three. I think, and I think you're right. I think they hit the nail on the head there, is because you know once the group stages are over, they're going to be focusing back on Serie A, and they're just behind Inter in, in this race here. And you know, I I I did reach out and try to pick uh, Zapata because I did think maybe he would eventually be the 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 alpha male, as you said. But this team, I mean, Gasparini is the alpha male in this team, and he just plug and plays people in there. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, Pasalic, who really did nothing up in his career until he went to Atalanta, now he's scoring goals for fun. I mean, one two goals a game. It seems like. Uh, and it doesn't matter. A- anybody on the pitch can score a goal at any given time. That's what's so crazy about the system. And full credit's got to go to Gasparini. Does he always get it right? No. But he, the way he gets his team to play, it's very entertaining as a new, to watch as a neutral. And you got to like what he does there. And I don't. I, if I were him, I wouldn't leave because he has the system developed exactly how he wants it. Just keep going and see where Atlanta can, where he can take him. I mean, it's. It's a definitely enjoyable team to watch, despite how many of us, especially Milanisti, feel about uh, Atalanta these days. Uh, but what he's done over there has got to be—it's—it's it's remarkable. It's got to be applauded. Yep, for sure. So those—I mean, those are the probably the biggest takeaways from these batches of games, and then Roma coming away, getting the win. You know, there in the end, um, you know, to still be, you know, relevant in terms of pursuing top four. You know, I I picked them fourth. That's a that's a key game that you have to win. Spoiling Andrei Shevchenko's debut. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, in the Sassuolo Calgary game, as they always do when they get together. They score goals. They score brilliant goals. I'm with you. Kate Balde is the goal of the week. So, um, you know, the sideshow, if you will, of Serie A even, was even as entertaining as, as what we got out of the three big games. Rafa, where are your takes from the, uh, from the weekend uh, outside of Napoli, of course? A lot of really uh, uh, good games, I think. Um, uh, A couple of really good goals. I mean, I know you said it wasn't really, um, you know, flurried with, you know, uh, worldies, but there were a few in there. I just got to see the Afenagian goal, uh, the second one, which was amazing. But actually, the first one impressed me, too. It was a one-time shot with... uh, So cool. It looked like a veteran. Very cool. Just very cool. And, and, you know, Mm. with time running out against, uh, you know, a Genoa side that has struggled but can turn up if they they really put their heads, you know, together. And I think even Chochenko was applauding the the goal, the second goal um, that he scored. I really did like the Jao Pedro. I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Keita Balde goal. That was a great goal. Um, uh, Sampdoria, I mean, Salernitana is just going back down, and I'm okay yep. with that. Uh, Sampdoria took care of them. Um, Sassuolo, for me, is a team that, like, is right there. They're right there, but they, they – aside from the win, the big win against Juventus, they just can't seem to get – wins you know like 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 uh there's the 12th with with four wins yeah but i mean there are times where 
they play so good and only come away with, you know, a point or, or nothing. And it's, it's really tough to see because they, I feel like they're, you know, doing really well. Um, Venezia is impressing me with these wins that they're coming out with. Uh, uh, Torino for me is underachieving, um, you know, but, but uh, honestly from like, like from one to 16, I think that's a tough, tough league. You know, yeah. uh, the only really bad teams are from 17 down, you know, yeah. uh, any but any one of these teams can can give you a tough match, and and I think it's a great testament to the league this season, and it's probably a big reason why teams like Juve, Lazio are struggling at times. You know, you I mean you even have like Bologna; they lost today, okay, but but they they have you know some really serious wins on their docket this season, and I don't think um, uh, you know uh, Mihailovic gets enough credit you know, for that team, you know, and, and it's going to be awesome. Just, uh, just the fact that the, the, the European places are so up for grabs for me is just uh, so exciting for me, you know, it's awesome. All right. Um, it's, it, it, I mean, and even the relegation race is going to get interesting. I mean, I don't know if it's going to hold with the three teams that are at the bottom. I think, to your point, I think Salernitan is down. Yeah. I still think Cali is too talented to be where they are. Um, and hope. I think that... <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, you know, opening against a jo- Jose Mourinho coach, Roma, was probably not the ideal place for Andrei Shevchenko to start. Um, so... You know, we'll see. I think that eventually that's going to this is going to get a little bit more entertaining at the bottom to, uh, you know, the points that you've made, Rafa. So and knowing our luck of the last, I don't know, since we've been doing this thing, you know, the team has always been a dead bottom. They all of a sudden make a run at the end of the season. All of a sudden they're like not no longer the worst team. You're like, OK, what's going on here? So it will get tight. No doubt about it. And, you know, some other teams will get dragged down into this. Maybe maybe Sampdoria. They're just outside of the box and then Udinese as well, even though they're good enough. But anything can happen, I guess. I'm just waiting some- I'm just waiting for Simi to to unlo- unload. <laughs> he hasn't. He's only one goal this season, yeah, I think, or yeah. two, and mm-hmm. uh, and he's yeah. I have him on my Fanta Calcio, and and he's been very he's been very disappointing for me this season. He's After usually good for 15. so many goals with Cortona. Yeah. yeah, I know. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see about Salernitana, but I don't know. I think they're. I, I I don't think this is the right season for them to come up with the whole co-ownership with Lazio and, and everything, you know, Lotito having them there. And I, I just, I didn't, you know, I, I always thought that Salernitana would go right back down. And I think that that's the only team I think we can say for sure will go down. Hmm. Yep. I, I, I agree. I just don't think the talent is there. So um, any other thoughts here on, I mean, two good games tomorrow. I think two good games tomorrow, two games that are worth looking at. Hellas Verona, Empoli, and then Torino Udinese. They're very intriguing. I think that, Hellas Verona has really come into the ascendancy. They're playing to their talent. They're they're better managed now that they they came to their senses and realized that EDF can't manage. Um, Empoli play very attractive football under Andrea Andreazzoli. Uh, so if you do have uh, time to catch this match tomorrow, it's at a, it's at twelve thirty East. I would definitely uh, look into it. There's some pretty promising talent on both sides, and then the uh, two forty five East game, Torino and Udinese. Um, Two extremely well-managed teams. Ivan Jodic uh, with 
you know, the job that he's done up to this point at Torino and then Luca Gotti with the job he's doing at Udinese. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, two intriguing matches right there, Richard. Imagine if Hellas win tomorrow, they'll just be two points behind Fiorentina. We've said how good Fiorentina has been this season and how poor of a start Hellas had. They'll only be two points behind Fiorentina if they get a win tomorrow. Uh, that's that's yeah. crazy. And then you're, yeah, crazy. you mentioned you mentioned about Torino and Udinese. It's gonna be it should be a good game there. Um, both both teams have played better with their new managers. Uh, I liked uh, Udinese in particular, but we'll see. It's gonna be a tough game. I, I I can see a couple goals in this game. It's gonna be low scoring, I think, as it always is with these two teams. Um, it's gonna be a good game, good game for sure. And I I imagine goals in the Hellas Empoli game. Richard, you could say the same. You could say the same for Empoli because Empoli also have 16 points tied with Verona. So the winner there—that's true. That's true. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I mean, em- for me, Empoli is a very big surprise as well. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I know, I know that they've been up and down. So I think that they're they're used to being in Serie A. A couple of the guys there maybe are, or like you know, just the the organization. But um, they're surprising me as well too. I. For 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 one of those two teams, you know, Verona lost a lot of players. You know, they lost a lot of players. They you know, Di Marco went back to Inter uh, from loan. Uh, you know, Ram, obviously Ram, the team that they had under Juric, it's it's essentially gone. Um, yet, uh, my gosh, I can't remember who who's who's in his place. What's his name? Verona, Verona manager. Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank now. Right, guys? Oh, what the <laughs> hell? Oh my oh, god. Yeah, I'll pull it, I'll pull it up. His name is <laughs> is it come on. Why are we why Oh are my we god. Not? Too many too many beers already. What the hell? Oh my god, that's bad. Anyway, uh, that e- guy Igor, has Igor Tudor. Igor Tudor, yes. Oh, oh, Igor god. Tudor. That's ah. right. That's right. Because because yeah, because the first manager was sacked, right? That's right. Yeah. Di Francesco. Di Francesco. So Tudor has them playing amazing. That's right. It was Tudor because they they tied Napoli, you know, uh, a week the week before the uh, the break. Um, but they have them. But he has them playing right back like Yurich style, you know. And and honestly, that's going to be a crack of a game. I I will have that on, you know. And then the, uh, for me, like I said, Torino's under underperforming against Yurich. Uh, so and 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 Bellotti. I don't know what's going on with that guy. I just don't understand. You know, it's it's a it's an enigma to me. Uh, he should be either he should be at a better club or he should have Torino in European places. I mean, especially with Udic, but it's it's still it's still very early. So you know, I, I'll I'll be at the shop working and I'll have it on the screen and and I'll be uh, cranking out those haircuts while watching some Serie A on a Monday. Can't wait. There you go. All right. So that was uh, that was the that was Serie A match week thirteen, and let's jump into a preview of Europe. We will look at the match day five of the UEFA Champions League groups E through F go on Tuesday, and the Italian teams you need to be concerned with: Atalanta traveling to Young Boys. Uh, currently, Atalanta third on five points behind Man United and Villarreal, each on seven. Um, so Atalanta traveling to Bern to take on Young Boys, and then Juventus will travel to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. If Juventus can somehow, here's the Juventus currently top group H, played for 1 4, have already qualified for the next round. If they can come away with a draw at Stamford Bridge, it sets up beautifully for them to come away as group winners, uh, as they will host Malmo on match day six. Crazy. Um, 
And then, uh, but a, a, a Chelsea win depends on the nature of that win. Um, match day five continues Wednesday in Group B. Milan, uh, whose Champions League campaign isn't necessarily on life support, but it's all but over if they lose at the Wanda Metropolitano at Atletico Madrid. Um, if they win, it comes down to if Liverpool can beat Porto, then things get really, really interesting on match day six. And Milan might pull an Atalanta of a couple of years ago. Um, Inter second in Group D with Sheriff on their heels in third on six points. Inter will host Shakhtar Donetsk um, with a win. And with Real Madrid beating Sheriff on Wednesday, Inter will qualify for the last 16. Um, I think it goes like this, guys. I think Atalanta win and put some pressure on whoever is on the short end of the Man United via Real game. Uh, I think that uh, Chelsea will beat Juventus, uh, and I think that they will beat them by two goals, uh, which would put Juve in second in the group and would have them finishing second. I think Inter beat Shakhtar, and I think that they will go ahead and secure um, their place in the knockout rounds, as I think Real Madrid will get it right and beat Sheriff. And I think Milan will play bravely uh, on Wednesday against Atletico Madrid. I love my Milan. I just don't love this situation, and I think they get out of here with a they get out with a draw, um, and it won't be enough for them to go through. Uh, so those are my rapid fire predictions of Champions League, Rafa. How do you like the prospects for the four Serie A teams in the Champions League? Well, uh, I got to say Atalanta for me um, is probably the most certain. I think they'll win handily against young boys. Uh, And Manchester United are in a real pickle, aren't they, with uh, having sacked Ole Ole over the weekend, Mm -hmm. Um, not playing well. But this is Ronaldo's tournament, guys. You know what I mean? Uh, He, I mean, they've been – it's it's sort of like, you know, the Juventus situation where, you know, in the league, United are pretty pretty awful. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Juventus are awful either, but they are definitely not what Juventus normally are. Um, But in, in the Champions League, they seem to come up with the results. And, you know, I realize that right now they are tied with Villarreal, but that's going to get settled uh, you know, on, on Tuesday. And I think Atalanta will win and, you know, get that second place uh, uh, in their grasp for the final match day. Um, I think that Juventus uh, are already in, so they're not going to really worry about the Champions League now much. As long as they get to the next round, I think they're happy. I mean, I'm sure they want to win the group, but uh, I could see a draw there. Um, Chelsea are pretty great this season, but Juventus did beat them. So it, it, could, it could happen. But I, I do see them resting a bit of players because they have secured. So let's go draw. Yeah. Uh, and then and then Inter is going to um, somehow make it to the next round. I don't know if they'll beat Shakhtar. I could see maybe a draw there too. Um, but uh, did you say Real Madrid beat Sheriff and – and Inter are qualified. Is that is that what happens? Yeah, if Inter and Real Madrid both win this on, on Wednesday, Inter will qualify. Okay, good. And then, um, so I see that happening for sure. Also, big factor is Conte is not their manager, so they'll go through to the next round. Um, <laughs> 
And Inzaghi then got really, Lazio. Inzaghi got a lot he, he Lazio did. through with a far worse team. So he sure did. He sure did. And and that's something that I brought up because I had Alex Dono on uh, for my frenemies segment for uh, Inter uh, on Far From Vesuvius, and I said the same thing to him. If Inzaghi could get Lazio through to the next round, Inter will go to the next round and hopefully go far for them. You know. Uh, and then Milan. I mean, Atletico are Atletico, and they're very strong. Um. I'm really hoping that Milan don't like I'm really hoping Milan win this game and not just because I want them to stay in the tournament and have them busy, you know, <laughs> um, with it, with, without, with, you know, with Europe to have to worry about, but also because I really do again, have this soft spot for Milan and, and they've not been in the champions league for how long. And I think, you know, it, it, with their first season back, it would be nice to see them in the knockout rounds. I think, you know, Italy, an Italian team coming out of this group of death uh, would be awesome. So hopefully they give it their all and they just don't tank it for the sake of the league because ask Napoli fans how that worked out in 2018. You know what I mean? Not great. So um, get in there and win it, you know? So I'm hoping for a win, but I can probably see a draw there. Okay, Richard. Yeah, uh, let's see. So I think Young Boys, as much as I want to say Atalanta win handily against Young Boys, I, I've watched enough Young Boys uh, this year that I know they're a decent team, um, much better than they have been in the, in the past. And it not, it's not going to be David Wagner's fault. I mean, it's a good team in general. I think it'll be difficult on Atalanta as it was in the first leg. But I think Atalanta should be able to get the win in this one. Um, and hopefully that'll suit them up nicely to, to progress out of this round. Um, Juventus and Chelsea. I mean, uh, Rafa's right. Chelsea's been playing fantastic this year. Only, only given up four goals this year. I think this season so far, outside of Champions League, they've been they've been playing really stellar. But I think Juventus have too much pride, especially you know Allegri, Chiellini, Bonucci, these kind of guys. Too much pride to just roll over and, and let someone beat them like that. I think I think they'll get a draw on this one. I think they'll find a way um, to get a draw against Chelsea. Chelsea are an excellent team, but I think. The veterans on Juventus are not going to let something um, crazy get in you know, a game get out of hand. Uh, moving over to Inter, I hope they beat. I hope they beat Shakhtar. I think it's a team they can certainly beat. Um, but you know, they need this, and I, and I think you both mentioned it. Inzaghi's there. He got through with a much least effective Lazio than this Inter team. Inter team is pretty good, uh, so I think they'll get through. We can't bank on Real Madrid beating Sheriff. You imagine Real Madrid is going to be pissed off at Sheriff for losing the first time around. Um, you imagine a 6-1 game, 6-0 game, but you never know. Sheriff has been surprising people this year. So um, hopefully Inter get a win in there. And, you know, for Milan, a part of me hopes that they put up a brave fight, lose, and get out of this thing. But, you know, I, I, I was, it, would be, it would be quite a story if Milan turned this around like Atalanta did a few years ago and escape out of this group. Imagine that story, right? Everybody writing them off, and all of a sudden they get make it out. But – um, you know, I, the Metropolitan, the one, the Metropolitan is a difficult place. It is. And at the, uh, Atleti are a good team. They actually got Griezmann back. We thought Griezmann was going to miss the game and he appealed the ban against Liverpool. So now he gets to play against, uh, against Milan. So I, I, I don't see Milan winning this game. I mean, a draw would be nice, but I'm not going to hold my breath in this one. Uh, and maybe just, just me, they being the skeptical Milan fan, but, uh, yeah, I, I think at least three of them, three of the Italian teams are going to, or two Italian teams will win. I think Juve will draw, and I think Milan will lose. Okay, so those are our takes on Champions League. Let's real quickly go to Europa League because it does concern Rafa's Napoli side. They actually play Wednesday 
um, in <laughs> Moscow against Spartak Moscow. Um, they, they do. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at this comment. Sweet Jesus is like the perfect evolution of beards. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. That's good stuff. Um, no beards actually, both Italian, both Italian sides in Moscow uh, this week. Uh, it's uh, yes. Napoli going there Wednesday to take on Spartak. Lazio traveling to take on Locomotive. Let's just break things down. Napoli uh, lead right now in Group C over Legia and Leicester. Um, it's really, really tight, but a win in Moscow uh, puts them on 10 and in all likelihood helps them secure, depending on what goes on in the Legia-Leicester game, uh, yes. helps them secure qualification into the next stage. Lazio, meanwhile, a win over Locomotive. Um and if they could get some help in that Marseille Galatasaray game, that's the game I'm going to watch. I, I, I got to. That's the Galatasaray Marseille game. If I can break away from my family for Thanksgiving and watch a game, that's the game I'm probably going to watch. After how they behave toward each other, how the fan bases behave toward each other on Match Day Two, and that was in France. Now it's in Istanbul, so I want to. You know, shit's going down over there. Um, I don't know if the Marseille fans are traveling or not. For their sake, I would say that they shouldn't. Um, but uh, nonetheless, um, let's get back to talking about the Serie A prospects. I, I, I actually think both of them are going to Russia and coming home with wins. Um, Lazio are going to struggle a little bit more than Napoli. When I look at the Napoli-Spartak-Moscow game, I don't think the result against Spartak-Moscow at the San Paolo does any justice to how the game went. I think Napoli were better. They just didn't really get anything dangerous on them. Um, from what I recall of that game, but I think that that Napoli go to Moscow, Rafa, and put that right. But you're the Napoli guy. What do you think is going to happen? Well, we didn't beat them in uh, the first time we played them at the Maradona. We got that really early goal from Elmas, which was a tie for the fastest Europa League goal in history. Um, and once that happened, I kind of felt like we were going to lose, kind of like how when Chucky Lozano scored that seven or eight second goal against Verona last season, and then in Ramani's debut start, <laughs> we lost 3-1. Uh, it, it went pretty similarly. We got scored on three times, and uh, we we got the consolation. But um, I think this time it, it's, it, it could be a little different. Um, we do have to travel, and it is on Wednesday. The reason being uh, UEFA doesn't allow uh, the same – a team from the same city to play on the same day, even if they don't play in the same uh, 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 building facility, mm-hmm. um, they Napoli are playing on Wednesday because of that. And I think it's really cool that it's Russia versus Italy in both days, which is pretty funny. But um, uh, I mean, no, also, I mean, we, we don't know what the status is with Aussie men. I mean, we know what happened and we know the diagnosis, but we don't know what his status for that match will be. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. Otherwise, I think, you know, Meyer Re comes back from his two-match suspension that he had um, in that red card versus Spartak, the reason why we lost. Um, mm-hmm. But that's another factor. We were down 10 men pretty early. Um, I think Napoli know what they have to do, and they know that they have to get out of this as group winners because uh, if you finish as a runner-up or even in third to drop into the Conference League, you're guaranteed to play in February. And if we win the group, we don't play in February. We play in March. We get that by. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, what you mentioned is 
a reality. If Napoli do win this game against Spartak and there's a draw at the Leicester uh, Legia match, Napoli actually win the group in match day five, yes. which is pretty incredible because the first match day we had to claw back from a two nil deficit against Leicester and we did, but then the we yep. under yeah, and then we underperformed against Legia uh, against uh, uh, Spartak and we after two match days we only had one point. So to, to now be in match day five in a position to win the group now and making that would make Napoli Leicester at the Maradona mean nothing to Napoli. They can rest that team. They can rest against Leicester City. They need the points. We don't. We already have been group winners. So we just have to do what we have to do and go out and win. And I think we will. I think we can. I think we will. Um Lazio is is I love that group. I think that Galatasaray and Marseille, the two fan bases that are absolutely nuts. Plus, you know, Lazio in Rome, they always turn out. I, I a, am only a, watching. I am only watching, and I just I want them to have a camera. If Paramount Plus or whoever, wherever the feed comes from, can you just put a camera on the fan bases? Yeah, that's it. I, I, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to watch what goes on in that match. I don't care. <laughs> have that. Have the option for the multi cameras, like they did at the Euros, right? Where you can just get <laughs> there you the, go. Like, yeah, see yeah, another yeah. another aspect. Just keep it on the fans. That's right? the match where it would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 really I'm really keen on both Napoli and Lazio making it out of the group. Um, but for me personally, I really want a group win. I, I, I it means a lot to me because to not have to play in February where we're just getting our African players back from the African Cup of Nations and mm. playing in Coppa Italia while they're gone. And then let's not forget, guys, CONCACAF has uh, three fixtures at the end of January and early February. That's not a normal break. Mm. And I'm not sure what the rule is on, on who these CONCACAF teams can take. But if we're missing Chucky Lozano because of that as well, that's going to mm-hmm. be huge. So for me, yeah. I think yeah. I think not avoiding to have to play Europe in February and then wait for the March quarterfinal matches to come around or round yeah. sixteen anyway. Um, uh, for me, is huge. Mm. Sure. Richard uh, Napoli Lazio both in uh, both playing the uh, Russian teams, both playing in Moscow. How do you see them going down? Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for both teams, but I think both teams can walk away with victories in this. I think, you know, with with Napoli, a little bit of a revenge factor and a chance that they, you know, if the results go their way, they could be group winners at the end of the day, uh, which or end of the week, I should say. Um, And so that will be big for them, I think. And uh, so hopefully, you know, I I imagine Osimhen is not going to play. Maybe Patania or or Merton is going to get a lot more pitch time. But um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, too. And I'm, I'm curious to see what both lineups are because Lazio play Napoli next weekend. So. You know, does that play into things? I mean, hopefully, it doesn't change things. I hope both teams go out there and give their best and get victories. I want to see Lazio and, and Napoli move on uh, for for Italian sake, uh, but I, you know they should. It's going to be difficult both these games, both being in Moscow, uh, but it's certainly doable. And I think you know a little bit chip on the shoulders and and doing the right things. I think that they should get both should get victories in this one. Sure. So that's where we stand on. Uh... Europa League. We won't talk about Conference League. Roma should be fine. They don't play Bodo Glimp this week. So um, we can just keep rubbing what? that one in, can't we? What a the gift disaster. that keeps on giving. What a so, disaster. Yeah. So so they ought to be fine. Um, but uh, 
we press on. So the uh, let me let me interrupt one second. The only thing that I want to say about the conference league is that I from this entire onset, I was hoping to see a Roma Tottenham final, and if we get that. If we actually get a Roma Tottenham final, it'll be Conte versus Mourinho, which be awesome. for me would Let's be do it. Let's do it. juicy. That's <laughs> the only thing that that'll probably be the only conference league match I watch. Yep. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> that'll be it. Yeah. yeah so and on we move now to the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, get us started. Oh, right. We, well, we had an international break, so we're going to have a lot here. So let's zip through these. Uh, first, come here. Toti's armband gives uh, nominates Rohini. It's uh, at Calcio underscore Rohini. And it says, uh, so the original tweet was AS Roma English says, I love the international break. And then the dot. Da, da, da. And so they, Rohini says, I love the international break because you can't hurt me then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like it. All right. Moving on to the next one. Um our friend George at Jersey SoCal, the, the resident Calgary supporter. Uh, God, it's tough being a Calgary fan this season. This is all for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. All right. Rete uh, this way podcast. Federico Bernadeschi completely misunderstood and disrespected as he misses everything. And this is his fail compilation. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's music in here, too, by the way. There we go. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Right. Are we still watching the rest of that or no? no? We're, we're moving on? Okay, we're, we're moving on. on. Okay, moving on. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> My, uh... <laughs> hang on. All right. Uh, out of context, Juventus... Uh, at no context underscore Juve, picture of uh, three Juventus players, and of course at underscore underscore Nerazzurri, the big show. How many finals have Juve lost? <laughs> nine. If you count the fingers, nine. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Art Morelli chiming in with the next one. It's uh, for the Azzurri matchup, and he says Chiri Immobile injured, and he's removed from the Azzurri squad. He's like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> end up hurting the Azzurri, but uh, it was a funny tweet at the time. <laughs> Perisnitch is on the board no. here. Uh, a gun. Okay, so... This is a, a, a thread. A thread of interplayers with guns. And the Gagliardini one is someone holding a gun to his head. <laughs> <laughs> Every other one is with a player with a gun in their hand. And then this one's a gun to his head. <laughs> Oh, that was good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> creative, creative. Uh, All right, so this one, out of context, Napoli has uh, a picture of uh, this is a good one. with the, uh, his face on it. And then uh, Calcio guys chime in with, it's uh, Gianni Rui, Gianni's uh, face on the jersey. <laughs> it's an upgrade, I think, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. Oh. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, so... Uh, our friend uh, uh, Gavin uh, at La Liga Gavila, um, uh, 90s football, at 90s football, one picture, two 90, iconic 90s legends, Romario and Alexi Lalas. <laughs> <laughs> and Gavin just says, yes, Romario and the ball. So. And this gets who won the Calcio nominee because Lalas did play in the league. So there you go. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Okay, this one comes from uh, 
this person pretended to be Gianluca Di Marzio, and I don't know if people caught this in time or not, but uh, this is Gianluca Di Mario, and it says, according to Serie A rules and regulations, this is a penalty for Juventus, but nobody cares. Watch nobody else. Here. Kick to oh, the face. No, uh, oh, I see. <laughs> penalty for Juventus and nobody else. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah that's yeah. the uh, Liechtenstein player. Uh, I, I yeah. remember watching that when that happened. And, oh, against uh, uh, Goretzka. Yep. And Germany goes on on to win nine uh, nil, uh, but okay. Let's see, uh, at BR Football, Brazil qualified for the twenty. Really, you guys, I landed on this one. Etsy DeSantis oh five. Why? I can't even read it. Why are they rubbing a big sand cock at the beach? <laughs> we got leader of the clubhouse. <laughs> Oh, that's what hurts now. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> All right, moving on, trying to. Um, Napolinissimo is back in this and says, uh, people praising uh, Alves for earning four euros per month at Barca when Interplayers went nine months without receiving his salary. <laughs> <laughs> true. Sad Napolinissimo is always coming in. Uh, uh, let's see. At... Uh, Nicholas Nicholas Di Giovanni uh, brings in a a nominee. This was uh, at Johnny Rules 27, Johnny Delicoli. Italy versus Northern Ireland highlights all goals and skills for Italy. Champions (laughs) of Europe to take the World Cup, question mark. And it's a picture of a couple of trash cans. Yeah. Yeah. Sums up the performance, right? All right. Uh, Nick again doing – oh, this was a – sorry, he deleted that one. So, uh, oh, he he nominated uh, the Calcio podcast. It says – Got to respect the hell out of Italy for boycotting the two most shamefully awarded World Cups ever in a bid to take stand against human uh, human rights violations committed in undemocratic corrupt states. Nice. Uh, All right. (laughs) And Napoleon Ismo with his second nomination this time around. Everything was going phenomenal for Italy until Allegri came back to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's, It's true. Oh, oh, all right. This one is uh, next one coming in here. And so for those who don't read, it, read Italian, it says uh, Ventura, Ventura realizing that he's not going to be the, known for being the only one to get Italy not qualifying for the World Cup with uh, <laughs> their loss uh, to Switzerland or not qualifying, I guess, this week. Uh, let's see here. We have another uh, nominee. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gianluca <laughs> Di Mario at Mario Sweatshirt. Why enter? Uh I wanted a new challenge in my career. I'm happy to be here. It's a great club. They won the championship last season and play in UCL. There's a lot of competition because there are quality players. I was the only good player. (laughs) (laughs) And Johan Nordstrom actually, did he actually say this? And he said, yes, confirmed by Di Mario. (laughs) At this point, people thought he was Di Marzio. And so he goes, did he actually say it? He goes, yes, confirmed by Di Mario. (laughs) He got so many people with that. That was a funny quote. Oh, all right. Let's see. Uh, Napolinissimo backing it again. So for the original tweet by Juventus says, a special night at Alliance Stadium for the premiere of All or Nothing Juventus. And all the players, you know, standing up here or whatever. And then it says, uh, crying, the worst season in the last 10 years. And we had Juve promoting the documentary about as if the Godfather movie, but McKinney posing like Brad Pitt and also Kabi Lame, who was more appearances than Dybala this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Um so oh, Solano, I I can't I I didn't I, I I can't this isn't this one isn't coming up. He just says yeah they, up yeah they deleted the tweet uh, 
but uh, I forget I forget what it was. It's, it's about the whole Marco Violi thing, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, well, I guess I, I guess I'll get to it right now. Yeah, go on so, and get to it right now, and I'll read the next one. <laughs> so, uh, for those who didn't who weren't paying attention on this week, this past week, uh, Violi Nation had a bunch of uh, live spaces going on. Rafa, I don't know if you heard any of that, but. Uh, Basically, this guy's been playing a lot of music about... Uh, it's kind of like Weird Al Yankovic, but the Calcio version of it. Yes. Uh, but what people don't know is that a lot of this was... Uh, some of this, there's a song called Solano, which is a reference to John Solano. Uh, and they have a, there's a beef going on between the two of them. But this is pretty hilarious stuff if you listen to it. Uh, and John Solano has been nothing but gracious during this whole thing. But uh, uh, the tweet here says, uh, there's more people tonight than there were at the Lions Stadium for Juventus. Uh, for, the, for the Live Spaces event. So, anyway... This thing was so crazy with the Viola Nation thing. There were so many people going on. But the basically was, what it was is basically a concert, basically, that someone just streamed all these uh, live parody songs for not, for hours on end. I listened for two hours. I don't know how long you listened, Rafa. Uh, but you had celebrities in this in this space. You had tennis players. You had all kinds of people in there, journalists. Lots of people. It was I think it had like 25,000 people participating in this in this live space thing. So it was a crazy, crazy event. Uh, Rafa, did you catch any of it? I was in for a couple of minutes and I, I couldn't stay on, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was I, very I the, interesting. I think the funny thing was that, you know, myself, Art and, uh, and, and, and Ned Azuri, uh, underscore Ned Azuri, the big show, all our wives had the same responses when they first heard the, heard the music going on. They're like, what the hell is this? Turn it off. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Frank, back to you. All right. At Matthew jumped, uh, translating the, um, translating his entry, there are more people in the space tonight than at the Alliance Stadium when Juventus play. The only yeah. Ashley, the only nation. Yep. Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. It's funny. All right. Um, and six aside, Calcio saying the same thing. We got your winner, and it was the talk about the spaces event there. Uh, let's move on from there. Kind of relates to this also. It's so um, Fiorentina, uh, Fiorentina Plus says, I think Viola Nation is going to be sure so, is going to sue somebody. So, Viola Nation, who they just did a uh, fan reaction for us, they say, uh, but really, spent the past couple of days thinking we finally made it. And every time I open up Twitter and find out, it turned out to be Viola Nation, not Viola Nation. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, at Yanimal1981, uh, how I felt audience. watching Hakan and the Milan kit. Okay, so you got to read this. This guy's screaming in Spanish. He's like, he's talking about how the players eat healthy every day, the day before the match, this and this and this. And you freaking can't, you suck, you can't get the ball in that. And so basically, uh, Yanimal says, that's how I felt watching Milan, Hakan at Milan. Damn. La play. Juega el fútbol todos los días. 40. Te aplauden cuando salís a la cancha. La concha de tu madre no sabes parar una pelota. Me vas a pagar. Le al arco y la tiras a la mierda. Le vas a hacer un pase a tu compañero que está un vendro y así así se la pasa mal. It's an epic rant, by the way, but shorts don't scrape your balls. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> nice. <sighs> All right. All right. So uh, you, you uh, the, at at Villanueva. Villan Villanismo. Oh, the classic checking out the other girl meme. This time it's uh, Italia as the guy seeing Joao Pedro. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> it's good. It, what's so good about it is that instead of the guy standing next to the lady, 
you have Immobile. standing next to Immobile, with <laughs> and his, he's like, what the with fuck? His, with his, with, yeah, with the with the hand, and he's checking out Joao Pedro, saying, "Call me." Oh, yeah. oh that's a good one. That's oh, a really that's good, good one. I that's like that. good. All right, Farino underscore ten nominating this one. Uh, so it's Paul. <laughs> I Spall. saw this. Too. Lorenzo this Dickman gets the goal for Paul, and he goes, "Might want to change the celebration with that surname, fam." <laughs> my my thing is my thing is Dickman has his Spall picture like this. Like my my, I want to change the whole tweet. The whole oh. might want to change the celebration with that surname. Look at that! Yeah, hilarious. Oh man! Oh. Um, at ASR Kurovasud nineteen twenty seven. Yikes! A picture of Tatrasanu <laughs> with clown makeup. Oh, yeah, know, wasn't, wasn't that wasn't that good? And then uh, I think rounding this one out. Uh, comes from Julia says, "Sorry, chewing on more cigarette butts as he attempts to figure out how he got beat by teams that un- are untrainable." <laughs> Juventus, uh, poor Saudi, poor Saudi. All right, we got to pick a winner out of this group, guys. What do you think? Uh, we're gonna let Rob do the honors. I mean, I give the nod to the creativity from uh, Via Neveismo, but we're gonna turn Rafa loose on this and let him pick the winner. Yeah, right. Well, if yeah, if that was the one with, I mean, it's between it's between the Brazilians rubbing the sandcock, <laughs> <laughs> which is which. Those of you who are not watching and listening, it's it's a World Cup uh, <laughs> sandcastle. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's either that one. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Am I swaying you with the picture? Listen, uh, yes, because I really like the one with Jao Pedro. That's a really good one. Yeah, I don't know if I can get over this one. This one is. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think Chris DeSantis is the winner for me. Uh, uh, you can't. I, I'm on board with. I'm on board with that. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank gets to tweet this out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I support this. <laughs> oh, my stomach is hurting. <laughs> oh. Squint, squint your eyes and look at the clouds in the background too. It's, it's not a, it's not a good, it's not a good, it's not a good. Thing. Oh my god. Oh shoot, guys. Yeah, exactly. All right. I'll tag you guys as well. Oh. This is why I love coming on here. Uh, <laughs> tearing up a little bit. I would say the, uh, the Who Won Calcio Twitter has definitely uh, it's definitely gotten legs and run. That's for sure. <sighs> All right. So, uh, CD, C. DeSantis05, congratulations. You won Calcio Twitter this week. Well played. Um, and I think with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of City. I sit down. Let's give the floor to our guest, Rafa. Plug away, my friend. Well, before I plug, I'm uh, I just have to say something, Daddy. I'm surprised you didn't make me cover my eyes and ears for that one, Daddy Frankie. I think you're I think you're old enough to uh, experience these sorts of things <laughs> yeah. and realize that these sorts of things exist. Now, I think my so. I uh, ten, think so. my nine and a half year old son, on the other hand, a big yes. no. Guys, oh. so uh, I'm I'm. Uh, Saddens me to say that Raf and Raf is no more. 
the the Ralph Pizarro had to go tend to some other personal things, so we had to put a stop to the show. But I want to thank everybody who has supported us. You guys have certainly supported us very well. Um, uh, we had to put a stop to it. But because of that, we uh, at Far From Vesuvius have picked up the pieces, and we're going to start tomorrow. Uh, and we're still finalizing everything. But tomorrow we're going to have a show, and we're going to call it Monday Night Napoli. And it's going to be by Far From Vesuvius. It'll be me and Ken every Monday night between 8 and 9 o'clock. Um, we're going to do it basically the same way we did Raf and Raf, but uh, under new accounts and under new things. So, so uh, look for us there, but um, the far from Vesuvius network is growing because we've added the Fili de Vesuvio podcast to our uh, 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 repertoire as well underneath our umbrella. You can find mm -hmm. that anywhere you can find far from Vesuvius podcasts. We just opened up a TikTok account. Um, We've got, uh, I'm still going to be doing post matches. I'm always on Twitter. So you guys can find me anywhere at Raffinopoly83, but follow us uh, at Far From Vesuvius. And uh, yeah, that's basically it, guys. That's, that's all I got going on right now. Awesome. And and, and Rafa, as always, thank you uh, for your time and thank you for uh, sitting in with us. Uh, we yeah, enjoy man. your company as always. You guys are the best to do it. And I, I'm always, uh, always happy to come on anytime you need me. Appreciate it. Well, it's an honor to hear that. I, it's an honor yeah. to hear that from you. We know you listen to a lot out there and you, we know you contribute to a lot out there. So, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a real privilege for us to hear you say that. Thank yeah. you. Thank uh, you. Richard, nobody else does it. Nobody else does it in depth. Like you guys, you yeah. guys well, are thank in you. depth. If I need to know something about Venezia, I'm coming on here. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Awesome. Uh, right, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna plug too much uh, you can obviously see my handle here uh, but uh, what i do want to plug is an article that um, i'm actually doing an opinion piece on this article go read this new york times article about what soccer players worth italy's regulators are asking this is a big article that came out this past week also with all this stuff going on probably the biggest news of the week for me uh talking about all the transfer inflation of prices uh juventus has obviously mentioned this Napoli's mentioned this, Kievo, several teams are mentioned this. It's not just those three teams, it's pretty much every team. And it's not just Serie A, it's European teams as well. Barcelona, like, and I'll give you an example. They talk about the Pjanic and Archer uh, swap deal where both players get swapped, and somehow both teams made 45, 50 million euros in a deal. Uh, and then there's some other, other deals going along as well. So it's a very interesting, eye opening article that could have big ramifications if what they, what they are investigating at the moment come to fruition. And Juventus seem to be the most damning of this because they are a publicly traded company. And so if some of these allegations come to fruition, they could be in serious trouble. So read this article. It's a very fascinating eye-opening into the look of how the prices have been inflated over the last decade or so in, in not only Syria, but in Europe. So uh, definitely give the article a read. And once, you know, once my opinion piece comes out, you can give it a, a check out as well. So excellent stuff. That's yeah. We're looking forward to that. Um, you can find me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Steady I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you can find a podcast, you can find Steady I sit down. Go to at Steady I sit down on Twitter. Uh, go on Instagram, comments, questions, uh, ideas you want us to cover for future podcasts. We're all ears. Uh, just let us know. Uh, we're also, uh, we also can be found on Facebook. Check us out there. Um, so those are all of the social media and entertainment platforms where you can find Zeta Sit Down. If you enjoyed this video and if you enjoyed this content, if you're catching it on YouTube, please uh, drop a like and subscribe. Uh, helps us out a lot. 
Uh, chat, thank you all for chiming in. Uh, definitely appreciated the comments and the input from you guys. Rafa, once again, thank you again so much. Um, let's get you back on here soon. Yes, my pleasure. Anytime you awesome. need me. Excellent. So for Rafa, for Richard, I'm Frank. Uh, this was Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. As always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.